going to the cross. Amen. Amen. You know, it's been on my <laughs> it's been on my heart that God bring revival Amen. to our area. When I read this article in Hazelhurst, Georgia, First Baptist Church, Hazelhurst, Brother Brad Waters, don't even know the man. Started a few weeks ago an annual Bible conference. Planned for four days. Holy Spirit got in it. To my knowledge, still going on. Had to take it out of the church. Put it in a local school. This is something that's going on that few preachers ever get to see. But this preacher got to see it. In 1982. In a place called Dufflin, Alabama. I don't believe anybody knows where that's at. It started in a four-day Bible conference. In a church. And it went to the in-between. I don't know. But it ended up for a month or so later in the, uh, the Coliseum. Local Coliseum of Dothan, Alabama. With over 4,000 people attending, not to hear sermons even though they were preached, not to hear Bible lessons even though they were taught, but because there was a sweeping revival going on. Now, I want to tell you something. Baptists got nervous. When the karyos gifts get released of the book of Acts, your theology will get nervous. But I promise you, God will never do anything that he hadn't already done before. And that he hadn't already told us about in the Word of God. Mike, do you believe that he can do that in Covington, Georgia? I do. I was talking to the man that spoke to me. We were talking about this in, in Honduras. And I said, I said, Sheldon, I really believe that God wants to do something. But I said, when you line up the church today with the church of Acts, we look sad. Because we don't see the power of God. We don't see what took place when the mighty rushing wind and cloven tongues of fire. And when people got healed and, and people were getting saved. We don't see a lot of that. That disturbs me. But you know what? It's been disturbing me for over 30 plus years. But I hadn't quit. And I told Sheldon, I said, you know what? I just believe God's up to something. I really do. And, and I, can I put a, a label on it? Nope. But I said, Sheldon, what does your calendar look like on November the 17th on Monday night? I said, we talked about it in Honduras, and you say you got men praying for revival, I said, let's, let's bring the people that really want revival. Let's bring them in the house and let's begin to pray for revival. He said, it's done. Now, I, five people might show up. I was telling Larry Cheek about it. He said, can I announce that to all the churches in the Stone Mountain Baptist Association? I said, if you feel led to, I don't care. But I said, I don't, our church don't need anything but the Holy Ghost. We need God to fall on this church. And we need what's in you to be able to get freed up to work. 
So, that's going to take place. If my people that are called by my name will what? Humble themselves. Humble themselves. Before y'all get through, you're not going to realize there's so many sermons in that one verse. What does it mean? Well, I want to talk with you this morning on, Lord, it's hard to be humble. And for you that say, because I'm perfect in every way. I hope you know that's a joke. The only perfection in you is the Son of Jesus. And He's trying to conform us that way. He's trying to run us that way. But all too often, we're, we're like Proverbs 16, 18 that says, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Humility, according to the Webster Dictionary, is, pri- is the absence of pride. Pride is the enemy of revival because pride says you don't need it. You're all right with God. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are and how high and mighty and spiritual you think you are, you need revival. You need healing. You need for the Holy Spirit to be able to say, this is what I want of you and trust and have the trust in you enough that you get it done. You see, when we humble ourselves, we're getting rid of pride. Now, pride in the Old Testament means to rise or to swell up. It is the rising of the wave, an image of it, of the sea. You see, many of you were born, I know, all of us, We're born with pride, with the heart of pride. In Proverbs 16 through 19, it says, Yea, six things do I hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto the Lord. I'm not going to read them. You look later at them. But those things come as their characteristics of when you and I have pride in our heart. Yep, it's hard to be humble. It really is when you're full of pride. You see, pride refuses to listen. It always interrupts others. Pride likes to talk about itself all the time. Pride has an intense desire to be noticed. Pride believes that it deserves everything it gets. Pride is not thankful Pride cannot be corrected. Pride does not like to follow instructions. Pride exalts itself in the presence of others. It likes to brag about what it's doing. Pride criticizes and tries to make itself look better by putting others down. Pride thinks of its own needs first. Pride. One of my favorite fighters of the past is Muhammad Ali. He was good. He would put a pop knot on your head. But he also had a problem (laughs) with pride. And on an airplane one day, he was standing up in in the aisle doing what he does best, talking and laughing, and he was entertaining the passengers. And finally, a stewardess came by and said, Mr. Ali, 
you'll have to take your, fa- take your seat and fasten your seatbelt because this plane is about to take off. And he looked with the eyes of glowing pride at that stewardess and says, Honey, Superman don't need no seat. And she looked at him and said, Yep, and Superman don't need no airplane either. Sit down and buckle up. We're taking off. God has a better plan for you and I than pride. It's called humbling ourselves. The word humble means to bend the knee. It means to bring down, to place self under another. Pride will not allow the prideful person to bow their knee to the Lord. Some of you have never come and bowed your knee to the altar, and it's not because you don't need to. It's because you're too prideful to. You don't want anybody seeing you that you don't really have it together. And the fact is, I already know it. We don't, any of us, have it really together except in Christ. One pretty young preacher, he just wanted to do a good job. Local funeral home called him, said, I want you, if you would, to do a funeral for us. He said, there is no family. There'll be no friends. You'll be all by yourself. But somebody needs to say some words over this guy because he's dead. He said, okay, I'll do it. So the preacher, you know, trying to be eager and do a good job, set out and early and got lost. 30 minutes later when he said he would be there, he drove up. Nobody was there. The hearst wasn't there. The only thing he saw was a backhoe and some men eating their lunch, and he walked over, and the vault had already been planted. The the the. The top of the vault had already been placed. He stood over that man, and he preached one of the fiercest, longest sermons, and he sent that dude into eternity in style as if there were thousands there. When the preacher was leaving and returning to his car, he heard, overheard one of the workmen say, I have been putting in septic tanks for 20 years, and I ain't ever seen anything like that before. When you and I put proud, we allow pride to look, or we set up pride in our, in our eyes, it looks stupid, as stupid as that preacher preaching to a septic tank. Pride does not fit your life and mine. God says, I hate it, and I want it out of your life. I'll send revival to your life if you'll get rid of pride and you'll humble yourself before me. Humility is a subject that's easy to preach, but it's hard to practice. The Bible says we must be humble, but whenever we try to be humble, we run the risk of becoming proud with our humility. Understand, I don't believe like patience you need to pray for humility, 
But I doggone well do believe you need to practice it if you're a spirit-filled believer and you're connected to Jesus. Luke 18, 14 says that everyone that exalted himself, exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Job 22, 24 said, we're told that God will save the humble person. It's the prideful person that believes he doesn't need Jesus. But if you're humble, if you humble yourselves before him, he'll save you. The famous actor Tom Selleck once said, whenever I get full of myself, I remember the day that this nice couple approached me with a camera on the street in Honolulu one day, and when I struck a pose for, for them, the man said, oh, no, no, no. He said, we want you to take a picture of us. <laughs> Why do we think that we are God's gift to this earth? You're God's child if you're a believer. Remember, humility is the absence of pride. Get rid of pride, you got a chance with humility. Pride, the Bible says, goes before destruction. Pride is an attitude of the heart that our value, that, that where we value oneself and we undervalue others. It's pride is thinking more about yourself than you think about others. Humility is a man not thinking about himself at all. The first thing I want to mention to you about pride is the deceptiveness of pride. Pride is a very deceiving thing. Pride is not having a good self-image. There are those that believe you should not teach your kids to have a positive image of themselves because you'll be promoting pride. Well, Jesus said that we are told to love our neighbor as who? Now, how in the world are you going to love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? You see, the Bible teaches us that we have value and that we have self-worth, not in our flesh, but in him. And that we're important and that we're significant and that God's called us to a very important work and that he's gifted us and that he has endowed us with the spirit of God and the power of heaven. And we're going to walk around saying that we're of no value. That's pride. You see, there's such a deceitfulness of pride. Pride is not just doing your best in your work. Somebody said, well, I take pride in my work. You're supposed to do that. Doing a good job always, whether you feel like it or not. I don't care where you work, in the church, at home, in the public jobs. You should, if you're a, if you're a believer, God expects you to do the very best that you can. Not to cheat people, but give them above an honest wage or or work for your wage. But it's not pride because you do your best. 
Pride's not giving a word of encouragement. Sometimes we get to mistake in that idea. <clears throat> if we praise our husbands or we praise our wives, we need to be careful because we're going to instill in them a spirit of pride. <laughs> you dummy. You better encourage them. Your children don't need just to hear you tell them what they've done wrong. If for every wrong they hear, they need three of you tell them what they did right and encourage them. That doesn't instill pride. (laughs) We're so silly. Pride is not giving credit where credit is due. In other words, an athlete, our Awana program, when we seek or they're seeking rewards or they receive a, a trophy for playing ball, look, they ought to receive credit where credit is due. And that is not pr- uh, promoting pride. It's giving recognition where recognition is due. Well, then what is pride? It's it's an attitude of self-sufficiency. It's an attitude that says, I can do it without God. I don't need God. I can do it all by myself. I can do whatever it takes. I've got all these things going my way and abilities. I don't need God on anything that I do. I'm telling you, if if God's going to send revival with the to the church and involve us in it. It can't come unless God is in it. It can't God. It can't come if God's not leading it through us. Well, I don't need any help from anybody else. Yeah, you do. You're not an island unto yourself. You need other people. And if you feel like you don't, that's the attitude of pride. Pride is an attitude of ingratitude. If we're ungrateful to God for what he's given us, for what he's done for us, then we fail to acknowledge God. Pride is is failing to recognize what he's doing in our life. And also often and too often, we don't, we don't call it and say, you know what, God's doing that. That person gets to say, God, in the conference, and I, I hope, Paula, you don't mind because I, I don't want to be a, a stumbling block in any way to you. But in the conference, they brought up Lanny in, in one of the early services. Fifty people walked the aisle, Paula. And I know one person here was saved there, and I don't know how many others were saved. Look, that's God. And I guarantee you, Lanny found out about that one. <laughs> 4,000 men, they heard about that one. He probably shouting still. If you accept praise for things you should not and get, try to get the credit for them, you probably have a problem of pride. This little boy, <clears throat> he went to school and he opened up his lunchbox, and there was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He ate it. It's <clears throat> kind of, okay. Next day, sitting by his buddy, opened up his lunchbox. My goodness. 
another peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The third day, he opens his up and says, my goodness, it's another peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, his friend done about had enough. And he said, man, why don't you tell your mama to fix you something other than peanut butter and jelly? He said, don't you talk about my mama. He said, I fix those sandwiches for myself. Isn't it true that most of us are in the mess of pride because we get ourselves in it? And one of the main problems that we have is that we're self-destructing in life because we create our own mess because of pride. Second of all is the danger of pride. Proverbs 16, 5 says, Everyone that is proud in his heart, is an abomination to the Lord. In other words, pride is a sin, and God hates it. If I were to ask you today, what is the worst sin you've ever committed? Now, don't call it out loud, just to God. Don't scare me. The worst sin that I believe that's ever been committed. By the way, before I say this, what are the top two in your life today? I want you to sit there with your mind, and and I want you to do it. You already know what number one is because it bugs you all the time. Anytime you hear preaching, you fall under the gimmick. God said, you got that sin. You You know what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen? Well, what's number two? And let's take the top two sins in your life, and we're going to eliminate them today. Mike, how do you do that? It's called, don't do it no more. (laughs) That's real spiritual, ain't it? (laughs) We're going to repent. What's that mean? Don't do it no more. I promise you, the top two that's plaguing you the most, if you don't do it no more, it won't happen no more. And by the way, there's a whole bunch of books and volumes ever all, read, all written on why you're doing it. Jesus has the only word I know of to how to quit it. Don't do it no more. Does that sound like deep theology or difficult? Because of our pride, though, it gets mixed up in a whole lot of stuff. And let me tell you something. Isaiah wrote about a man that he was was more than a man at the time. In Isaiah 14, he tells us about Satan and that Satan was in heaven and that Satan was with God. And that the problem with Satan was not he wasn't satisfied nor contented of staying equal or even a little bit below. He wanted to rise above and be more than what God was. And that sin alone got him cast out of heaven into hell. You tell me what's worse than that. You know what that's called? Pride. You know, we can say it, we can say pride, and it don't bother us no more. But let me sling out and use God's name. 
Y'all get all bent out of shape. So what are you doing? Lightning bolt might hit me. Pride got Satan kicked out and all of the demons in hell. Why do you think God put this kind of requirement in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14? Because it's the very thing that's killing the church. It's restraining the work of the Holy Spirit. Pride. Satan knew all this, you know. And he shows up in, in creation. And Adam and Eve are, are here. And he walks in the midst, and, and God had already set the boundaries. He'd already told Genesis, or he already told Adam and Eve, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. What'd Satan do? He comes in there and he goes messing with it. How come you're not eating of the tree of the free uh, of knowledge and of, of life? Because God said, don't do it. Now, God really didn't mean that. You know what, Adam and Eve? I believe God's holding out on you. All of a sudden. What became very clear what God wanted in their hearts and minds became cloudy. Why? Because they listened to the wrong voice. They listened to the voice of pride. I can do it, and I won't get caught. Why do you think they hid? I can do it, and it won't affect me. Well, it did, and us too. Pro- the problem with pride, the Bible says in James 4, 6, it's, it's, it's born. It's God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble, but the idea of pr- pride is born in our heart. How many of y'all like to eat apples? Raise your hand. You like, you like, y'all like the, how many like the red apples? Raise your hand. Y'all don't like red apples? What's wrong with y'all? How many of y'all like the yellow apples? Raise your hand. How many don't like apples? Raise your hand. Y'all a bunch of, y'all don't like nothing. Well, listen, how many of you ever picked up an apple and noticed a, 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 a hole in it and thought, uh-oh, there's a worm in it? But you'd already bit it. You know what's worse than biting an apple with a hole in it? It's biting an apple and finding half a worm. The other half right there. Now, for you that are farmers and you that understand the idea of an apple and you that understand how the worm got there in the first place, you know that that worm didn't bore into the apple. It was boring out. And you know that when the, the, the larva of the worm was put there, it's when the blossom was on the tree. And if you don't spray the blossom at least twice, normally you won't kill the worm. And so the worm is born into the apple, to the very heart of the apple. And so when the worm gets the strength enough and when the worm gets the, 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 the maturity enough, it bores itself out. 
you and I were born with a heart of pride. And here's what God said. You need to get rid of it. And the only person in the world that can help you is me, God. He's the only one that can rip from the inside that pride. And where did he do that? He did it when he saved you through Jesus. Thirdly, the divisiveness of pride. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention. You say, what does contention mean? It means division and separation. You want to learn what division and separation means? Get married. Get married. Because before then, you were opening her door. You were buying her meals. You were saying, on the 14th, you were getting her candy and flowers. You were doing everything you could. But when you got married, something happened. And here's what women say. It all stopped. <laughs> but you still eating. You might not be eating her meal. But Mickey D's makes a good hamburger. <laughs> Listen to me. You want to know one good evidence that pride is in your marriage? You can't submit. You wives won't submit to the husbands. You husbands will not be the leader God puts you to be so they can Feel the freedom to submit to you. And rebellion is running rampant in your home. Cause of pride. Around Covington, it seems like every corner there's a church springing up. Well, can I hear an amen? amen? I got news for you. I don't think that those churches are springing up because of the evangelical move of God. Listen to me. I've pastored three of these I'm going to describe to you. For whatever reason, a couple decides or a group decides, we're going to start a church. They start growing. All of a sudden, there's a rift in the church. A group of those go down the street. And open the doors of something and start what they call a new church. Not all of them, but a big majority of them were started that way. They weren't started because there was a great move of God or there was a great evangelism going on and people were getting saved. They started another church because down there they didn't get their way. And then... 
God calls a, a preacher to go in there, and he says, bless God, we're going to grow this thing. We, we're going we're gonna to see people saved. We're going to double our attendance, and they stand up and say, oh, no, you're not. If you grow, we'll grow slowly. You know what they mean? They mean they still want to grow because they don't want to admit they don't want to grow, but they're going to still control it. And that is, my friend, is pride. That's all it is, pride. So you think God's going to bless that when he hates it? No. He can't send revival to this church if you have in your heart that you don't want to give up your seat. Uh-oh. If your heart is not to where you would stand like the day that we had over 1,100 in this church and bikers stood from all the way around. They stood up for two and a half hours. They didn't grumble. I, I want to think that a little birdie flew over me that day and maybe somebody wasn't able to sit in the seat that they were used to sitting in. And my, my answer to that is good. Because at least Lanny let us see what it could be like if revival broke out and, and, and we started being a little uncomfortable. You ought to be willing to get up and stand against the wall so a lost person could hear the gospel. And if you don't feel that way... If you don't feel that way, you're full. You're full of pride. Notice on the side of these pews, there's no name tags. Wonder why? Because you don't own it. I don't either. God does. I'm so sick and tired of... Hearing all them old churches I pastored, well, bless God, my grandmama died, and when she died, I raised $400 and bought the front right left pew, and that's where we're going to sit until we die. If I knew that, I'd pray revival hit that pew, and they didn't ever get to sit in it because that is the spirit of pride. And God ain't going to send revival with that kind of spirit. It's divisive. Old country couple, I'll tell this since I won't be preaching traditionally next Sunday, most likely, because it's going to be after a, a, a Valentine. These two lovebirds were about 70, 80 years old, sitting on the front porch and he looked over at her and just felt a heartfelt moment. He looked at her and said, Honey, I sure am proud of you. Problem is, she was hard of hearing. <laughs> What'd you say? Don't y'all laugh. I know some of y'all go, every time somebody says something to you, you go, huh? So, <laughs> I'm in that element today. <laughs> he said, honey, I said 
I'm proud of you. She said, what did you say? I said, I'm proud of you. She said, I'm tired of you too. We have church splits. We have frequent divorces. And we got people that won't get married and want to live together, which is dead sinfully wrong, because they're tired of one another already. Humble yourself. Deliberate self Subjection. I close with this. There's a guy walking along the edge of the cliff, and he fell off. He fell thousands of feet, but he reached out and grabbed a vine. He's hanging there for his dear life. He begins to pray, oh, God, if you would just help me. God, do you hear me? All of a sudden, God said, son, I hear you. Really? Yes. What do you want? Oh, God, you just tell me. I mean, it don't matter what. You just, God, I'm in desperation. If you just tell me what to do, and I promise I'll do it if you will take care of me. Deliver me. Help me. He said, you really mean that I mean it with all my heart, God? Just tell me. He said, all right, here he comes. I'm right. Please, God, hurry up. Let go of the vine. He said, God, I, I didn't quite hear you good. Tell me one more time. He said, let go of the vine. It was a short period of silence. And all of us, a sudden, he looked up. He said, is there anybody else up there that will hear me and help me? It's a spirit of pride. You know the sad thing about it? God's already told us what to do. But you won't let go of your pride. Hanging on for dear life. And God said, you have to let go. Every head bowed.